Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Templey. sexual nature it should be for people that are 18 years or older heed my warning people i do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show the facts we're retelling you were presented to us by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims my description of the crime scenes are what i saw with my own two eyes If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton, and I just want to tell everybody, thank you for supporting us and liking us and sharing us and making us grow. I really appreciate you. Patreon members, love, love, love you. Thank you so much for your support. I love all lifers, but I couldn't run the show without Patreon members. Local advertisers, hit us up. We do it for the national brands. I'd rather do it for you. And with that, we're going to get started. Y'all, today I'm going to be continuing something I started. I started a Ask Me Anything session. And I did part one the last week of January. So when you hear this, you'll know it's continuation from part a or part one and what i'm doing different than what it is i'm drinking beer and i have all these questions that lifers sent in on the crew page it was a hundred and something questions hold on i have a sip and i'm only on my fourth beer and i don't know how many questions i am in but i'm a it was over an hour and so i, I didn't want to keep going on the same one so i came back and I'm going to continue it now, which is whatever the date is in January 2021. Uh, so when you get this, the longer I go, the more beer I'm going to drink. Probably the stupider I'll get. So hopefully you enjoy it. The These are y'all's questions. If I didn't get to your question before, I apologize. Um, I will answer them to the best of my knowledge. And if I can't answer them, then I just can't answer them. So... But you never know what the hell is going to come out of my mouth. But I appreciate y'all listening. This is another episode of Ask Me Anything with Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime 
podcast and let's do it. All right, so I left y'all. Uh, oh, you know what? I left you talking about the uh, the death penalty. And so we're past that question, and, and that was uh, Courtney Pettit. So let's see. I'm scrolling down my list. Y'all going to hear me taking sips of beer and getting a beer and whatever. So, you know, I'm unscripted and raw. All right, so Donna Wainwright from Walker, Louisiana asks, Woody, can you ever just stop thinking about all of your cases? Do you ever get the itch to go back to being a detective? You are the best. Donna, much, much love to you. And, you know, Donna, that's a good question. The I think my OCD, my obsessive compulsive disorder, mine is the repetitive thoughts uh, that I have on something when I get fixated on something, I go over and over and over again in my head. And that was to the disadvantage of criminals back in the day because I would figure out ways to look at things, at, especially at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, that nobody else could ever figure, right? I almost always stopped thinking about the cases once I, I was done with them and I moved on to the next case. So, but like Courtney Coco's, Miss Barbara Blunt's, they drive me batshit. The, the, they don't drive me batshit, but I mean, I, the, the families are such wonderful people, and they're my family now, and you know, it just hurts my heart for them. So I don't stop thinking about them. Plus, it doesn't help that I have their pictures on my bedside and in my truck. Uh, do I ever get the itch to go back and be a detective? Sure, absolutely. I mean, who wouldn't? Except for the pay and the fact that it seems like 90% of the world hates law enforcement now, you know, when, and I've, I've bashed on them, right. But I still believe 99.9% .9 of all cops are great. You know, those guys don't do it for the money and, or those guys and girls don't do it for the money. I didn't do it for the money back then. And, and sure, I would love to be first on the scene and, and, and taking something over and solving a case that nobody could solve again on the law enforcement side. I'd like to do that one more time. And you're the best, Donna. Thank you. So we have Amber Brady Dugas. Dugas is a South Louisiana name. I guarantee you. that's D-U-G-A-S. And she's from Albany, Louisiana, my old stomping grounds. Said, if you could go back in time to choose a different career, would you choose to choice be different after seeing all the horrible cases you've worked? If the answer is yes, what would it be? Amber, two things I would go back and do. I would have gone back. If I could go back, I would have stayed in the military. I'd have never got out. And, and I'd have made a career out of that. Not saying that you know, I have that regret to the point where I wish I'd done that instead of being a detective. But as far as seeing me making a different decision because of horrible cases I've worked, no, absolutely not. But I would go back and I would go back and be a judge. I would go I would go back and I would go to law school and I would want to be a sitting judge in criminal court cases only. And you know, I couldn't if I didn't wasn't a judge then I would want to go back and actually be a prosecutor. My grandfather was a judge and my other grandfather was the longest running district attorney in the state. My baby sister is a judge. So I think I would be torn between judge and prosecutor. I think I would like to be a prosecutor because I'd like to try the cases and put these shit bags away forever. But I also like to be a judge because 
being on both sides, I know there's, man, there's just some shitty work done uh, uh, sometimes, and that's unfortunate. But me not losing a case is because I didn't build junk, right? So I think it's kind of a toss-up, judge and the uh, prosecutor. Thank you, Amber. Love you much. Renee Watkins from Nashville. I lived in New York at the time of 9-11 happened. And first, thank you so much for mentioning the impact that day on you. And second, what were you doing at the time? Renee, I was driving a blue and white. Sip of beer. I was driving my unit. It was my morning off. And I had to take it in to get an oil change. But I had to drive all the way across Livingston Parish from Albany to Watson. And on the way, I was listening to Kid Craddock in the morning, and I never really listened to the radio, right? So, I, uh, and they were talking, and I heard them say, "Oh my God, oh my God!" There's been a horrible accident. It seems like a plane's hit one of the towers. I thought it was an accident, right? And I mean, everybody did. They went on with the radio show, and a couple minutes later, I'm pulling up to, I pull up to the uh, the car place. It was Perry's place in, in, in Watson. He did service all our vehicles. And I pull up and I get out and I walk into the waiting room and there's a TV mounted on the wall and I saw a plane hit. Well, I didn't know at the time, but it hit was the second tower. And, and I thought, well, shit, they're, they're playing a replay, right? That wasn't so. And, and y'all all know the rest of it. So I was in uniform patrol and I want it so bad to go back into the military. And, 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 and I actually was going to do it. But my mom, I remember her saying, you can't go back in the military. You have a daughter. And I said, hell, you know, wars are not only fought by men or women without kids, right? But I was in uniform patrol at the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office to answer the question, long story short. All right. Amanda Cunningham. Amanda Cunningham from Albany. How many deer have you killed? Amanda, what are we talking about today? <laughs> uh, the I, I assume you mean this season, y'all. Deer season just ended, and I don't know if you saw my before and after hair pic pictures on uh, on uh, the crew page. This year, Amanda, I killed a lot more hogs this year. I'm trying to think. I think I did nine hogs in... Um, whatever the state limit is on deer in Louisiana. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, thank you, Amanda. I appreciate you. Hillary Parsons from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Have you ever had someone pass a test that your gut told you was guilty? Yeah, I, absolutely. I've had it happen. Mm. But let me say, the evidence that was presented to me may have told me that they were guilty and then they passed the test. I can't say they passed it because they cheated me or they beat me, but maybe I had the heebie-jeebies. But let me tell you something. The polygraph is not infallible. It's it's just not. I mean, you know, psychopaths can get on there and, and not show any emotions, and their physiological responses never change because they don't give a shit, right? So, yeah, Hillary, I'm sure I have. I'm trying to remember specifics. Uh, I can tell you... Hillary, I, I've done thousands and thousands of tests. I quit counting in close to 2,000. And that was many years ago. And I can guarantee you I got my ass beat uh, probably a couple times. So, all right. 
Oh, this is a great name. <laughs> Tammy Butt, B-U-T-T dash Fundak. So excited. Love from Ontario, Canada. Well, Tammy, we love you too. We love our Canucks, right? We love you, Canada. Uh, like our dear friend Tyler Allen with Minds of Madness, who has helped us so far, uh, helped us so much in the, in, the, in the learning of podcasts and all that. Y'all, if you love one another true crime show, go listen to that one. It's pretty good. He has a good voice. But I guess you just came in and say, sending hugs, Tammy, but fun deck. And <laughs> sending hugs back to you, sweetie. All right, so we'll go next to Rebecca Spano, Spano from Albany, Louisiana. Albany, Louisiana from Hammond. What was the strangest case you were? The one that just blew your mind. Oh, shit. That too, too, too many. Jeez, Louise. I mean, I don't know. that. I can't put one of them but i can tell you one thing rebecca you're gonna hear all of them and i think that probably the strangest that y'all heard on the homicide end thus far as the series monsters because everything from the yellow squash to the who the victim was to who who killed her etc and what happened in the end and then rebecca follows it up with have any of your kids ever involved <laughs> with criminal behavior i'm betting that's a big name i would say my kids are so so much better than me uh, and and because i was a badass uh, uh and when i was like the town hood right and w when i was coming up but nobody's perfect but my kids are pretty great thank you rebecca i love you much that's me taking a sip of beer y'all lacy williams says and i think this was uh so says, I sure miss you, Cindy Overton. When are we getting together for drinks? Holly PQ as well. And then Cindy responds <laughs> right in the middle of my Ask Me Anything thread. Thank y'all. All right, so Deanna McFall-Hope. Didn't say where you're from, Deanna. Says, what made you retire? Was it a case that got to you or were you just done? Deanna, it was when I went to the state police one of the agreements of me being hired on was that I got to keep my private polygraph business for financial reasons. But one of, one of the reasons that I went also was they took all my different retirement times from uh, my Department of Corrections time to my Sheriff's Office time and whatever they put under what they call the Lasers Retirement System. So I would have, I only had seven years to so have my 20 years. But when I hit the 20 years, and I still had my private polygraph business, it had grown to be so big that it was morphing into something that I couldn't afford to be a cop anymore because at the time, my children, they're now all uh, in college except for one, or older than college. At the time, I just I couldn't afford not to. I had to take care of my family. So, But it wasn't one specific case. That's the reason. So thank you, Deanna. Natalie Johnson Bird, what was one of the funniest things a criminal has ever told you? Walker, Louisiana. Oh, God, Natalie. I have no idea. Um, geez, I don't know, sweetie. There's so many of them. I think I shared a lot on stories. Um, I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head. Four beers in. Oh, if y'all, on the second episode, I'm four beers in. And it took me four beers to get through the first episode. If ask me anything. Um, and then Amy Frank says, oh, this is going to be good. Yay. So let me try to think. Mm. 
shit, I don't know. Now, I'd have to say it'd be some of the tweakers, uh, some of the meth heads that had been up for like three weeks and, uh, you know, were like, uh, one dude was insistent. I actually called 911. They had people, naked people running around his yard with rainbow colored diving glasses on, diving mask on, and, and you know, climbing his trees and shit. And it, it, that call came in at like, 5.59 a.m. on a Monday morning when I was getting off after a long week of work and I went out there and he was so tweaked out and I kind of messed with him and, and I was like, uh, you know, you need to be worried about that spider crawling on you and stuff like that. But the, I don't know, you know, maybe I'll put it together in an episode and I have to think about that because these cases don't come back to me until I think about it. So, but thanks Natalie and thanks Amy Franks. Karen Fowler, another dream team. Karen, I didn't know you were from uh, Lafayette, but from Lafayette, Louisiana. What is your favorite thing that's happened to you since starting the podcast? I have got to say, it's the people that uh, meeting people, not only from all over the world, all over the United States, uh, all over the world. And I mean, we have dream team moderators from Canada, from Australia, uh, whatever, but Getting to being anywhere, hell, I could be in a gas station and and somebody comes up and says, "Hey, are you Woody Oakton?" I'm like, "Yep," and and you know, I'm the same person that you hear talking now, and I always love it when they come up and introduce themselves. I think that's the coolest. Or you know, when I was a kid, my daddy was a really prominent attorney, like he was the first one ever in the state of Louisiana to advertise on TV. But he didn't do shitty advertisements like the ambulance chaser ones. Uh, long story short, it was frowned upon back then to advertise on TV. But he did it because he was smart. And he went on one. Uh, I mean, it was really, the name became really promising. Say, I could go anywhere or get stopped or whatever it may be. And I said the last name Overton. They were like, oh, you're Lee Overton's son. And, and I'm like, yeah. Or, or Lee Overton's your dad that's on TV. Yeah. But now... My parents go places, the doctor's office or the farmer's, wherever, and they're checking out. And they say, this name's Overton. Do you know Woody Overton, the podcaster? <laughs> so I get, a, I get a trip out of that, Karen. And other than that, I've got to say, doing the doing this public speaking to groups and stuff, that the opportunities that wouldn't have been there before um, – the podcast and they're going to be coming back after COVID, the live shows. I'm going to rock that. So that's it. Love you much, Karen. Thank you for being a dream team moderator. You rock. Desiree Walls Polisic from, or Desiree Polisic from Denham Springs, Louisiana. What is your favorite case in Livingston Paris that you work? I don't know, sweetie. Yeah, I'm reading the, I, I'm literally reading these questions for the first time at, as I go down the list. Uh, what is your favorite case, Limston, Parish that you work? I don't know. Any any of them that, I think the cold cases, Desiree, any, any case that other people couldn't solve that I could solve uh, are my favorite, and especially the ones I get confessions in. Um, any case where I put an asshole in prison that they couldn't hurt another baby or rape somebody or murder anybody else, what I call good bad guys, I love the bus or girls. I love to put away good, bad guys and girls. So any of the ones that I'm going to talk about, these they got more than, I would say, 30 years. 
Uh, I used to say more than 20 because if they got more time, if they're still locked up after I retired in 2013, I would call that a good case uh, or favorite case because that meant something to me, right? They couldn't hurt other people. So I guess I would say 30 or 40 years because I don't want them to hurt my kids either. So thank you, Desiree. Other than that, it, it, you know, favorite cases, you're going to hear about them. I can't tell you specifically which one. And Nathan Keller from Gonzalez. <laughs> I'm going to have to pass on that one, Nathan. Thanks, buddy. Sean Riddle. Sean's McLeod. Uh, Leo Riddle, Woody, I live in South Bossier Parish. I would like to know if there's any chance I could participate in an investigation. There are three or four cold cases of people I knew personally and would love nothing more than participate in the resolution of the case for the family. Have you ever taken anyone up on a psychic reading to solve a case? That's actually two questions. I'm not a, legally a psychic, so pick one that you want to answer, and I'll be calling sometime in the next couple of weeks to schedule our phone conversation. I think I'm at my three-month mark. Thank you, and I can't wait to hear all these answers. All right, Sean Riddle. Cool. Okay, let me break it down for you. First of all, y'all, South Bossier Parish, that's way up north Louisiana, real close to Arkansas and Texas. Get the beer. Uh... What, can you participate in an investigation? Sweetie, if you're a psychic, shit. I use psychics. I use anything I can, especially on cold cases or whatever. You wouldn't believe some of the stuff. I mean, I guess I need to do a story on that. I've had psychics uh, tell me stuff and put me within the vicinity of bodies that I had no idea. And, and, and the body popped up. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'll use anything, whether it hold up in court. Uh, probably not. But... I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to get on the stand and say, hey, the psychic told me it was X, Y, and Z, and that's why I started looking at the person. So um, looking forward to your phone call. That means your harassment tier, a better patron. Thank you so much. And, and I'm sure we had it by the time this podcast get released because I'm recording it early. Uh, yeah, hey, I look forward to talking to you. It'd be interesting as hell. Thank you. Maggie from Minnesota says, question is actually for both Woody and Cindy. What tips do you have for making time for family and talking to your kids about busy work schedule given the demands and sometimes crazy schedule of the career coming from a law enforcement officer wife? Wow. All right, Maggie, you know what? I have so many questions on this feed about Cindy that I think I'm going to just have to do another episode with her on it. Um, hey, lifers, it's Cindy. I can tell you that that I always impress upon my kids that that the, the importance of what I do or, or what I did, it, as in, uh, I'd be like, okay, you understand what murder is? Yes, and I'm talking like at a pretty young age, not to scare them. But then I would say, don't you understand if somebody murdered your brother or your sister, would you know, would you, what would you want to happen to them? They like go to jail. I'm like, okay, but that's what daddy does. Daddy puts them in jail, makes sure they can you know, never get out and hurt anybody else. Uh, but I also tell them the dream is free, but the hustle takes muscle, and we always hustling. So they know about busy work schedule and and work. It's just 
you know, nothing is for free and hard work pays off. Thank you, Maggie from Minnesota. All right, Margie Minicky Acres, what year, what year did you go to work for LP? It would have been um, late 2000 or early 2001, Maggie, or I'm sorry, Margie. It's two, I think it's 2001. Yeah, definitely early in the year 2001. I'm not sure the exact month. Thank you, Margie. Civil in Den Ross County. Oh, shit. Yeah, you can. I, Civil, I know you uh, You messaged me that question in box, and I did not read it yet. So I'll respond to you on this. I mean, I, I didn't read it on the first episode, and, and I'm not going to get into it on this episode, but I am going to message you about it. So that's Civil and, and Denim Roberts, a great lifer. Thank you so much, sweetie. Nicole Brunies, B-R-U-N-I-E-S. Nicole from Albany, Louisiana. What made you want to start the podcast? Absolutely total accident. And so Renee Watkins says, ooh, I know this one. Great story. This is going to be a great episode. And Nicole Brunis says, Renee Watkins, did he already cover that question in the past? He may not answer again. Renee Watkins says, he mentioned it briefly in a couple of interviews on YouTube. I think I heard it there, but I'd love to hear him elaborate. Nicole says, Renee Watkins, oh, okay. I'm new here, so I didn't know that. Nicole, long and short of it is, Cindy Overton is totally responsible for Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Hey, lifers, it's Cindy. And it was a hot weekend on hunting season, and I, I knew it was going to be shitty weather, and we're never together during hunting season. So I called her and said, hey, I'm going to come home and take you to the coast for the weekend to uh, to the Beau Rivage. And on the way out, we were passing someplace, and I was like, yeah, I'll work such and such there. You know, another mark, whatever the case may be. And she said, you really need to start a podcast. I'm like, what the hell is a podcast? And I mean, I did not know. I didn't know what a podcast was. And and she told me, she said, everybody loves your stories and they love your voice. And you need to start a podcast. And I was like, okay. So we started listening to the top true crime podcasts on the way to the coast. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is so boring. I mean, it's like Jean Benet Ramsey and Ted Bundy. I'm like, fuck, how much can you cover this? And the people are reading scripts, right? I'm like, shit, they want to hear a story. I'll tell them a story. And that's how I got started. So, and y'all have been blowing us up ever since. I guess people like me telling my own stories. So, much love to y'all. Thank you. Sue Freeman from uh, Las Vegas. What is the goriest case you worked on and what effect did it have on you? I love your podcast, all capitals. You are with me even when I'm in the shower. LOL. All right. So Sue Freeman from Las Vegas. Sue, we used to get out there all the time before COVID. Uh, screwed everything up. We'll hit you up next time we're coming. Uh, Gorious. The Gorious on, on single-person murder, I've got to tell you, was, uh, and I, won't, I almost said the name out loud, which I didn't do on the episode, was the, was the monsters. And, and because of the amount of damage uh, to the victim's head and the fact that she was shot and, and executed and then degraded afterwards. But, you know, I had a lot of really, really gory cases. So you're going to hear them all, Sue, in just like on Monsters. If I tell you this is a bad one, you better strap up, you know, uh, buckle up, buttercup, because shit's about to hit the fan, right? Sugar's going to turn to shit. 
So, but thank you, Sue. I appreciate you. All right. Lauren Truax from Ponchatoula, Louisiana. If y'all know where that's at, you from outside of Louisiana. That's a strawberry festival and strawberry capital of the world. Which Lauren, I heard they canceled. Uh, I heard from a friend, Chase Tyler. They've already canceled the strawberry festival this year. But because of COVID. And she asks, over the years that you've worked for law enforcement, is there a case that sticks with you even to this day? Any, I don't know, Lauren. I, 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 I think I compartmentalized a lot of stuff uh, and maybe filed away. And like I was saying in a couple of questions ago, if I pass by somewhere uh, and see a certain house or something, it'll make that case pop back into my head. If I see a victim family member or something that'll make it pop back into my head all of i guess all of them any anybody that i've ever had to tell your family member that you're dead you've been murdered you're not ever coming home again or your baby's been being raped or uh those all stick with me when i let them but most of the time i keep them a lot deep down in that vault somewhere in places I don't like to talk about it, cocktail parties. But I guess I can talk about them on Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Thank you, Lauren. So, y'all, I'm on my fourth beer. And this has been an hour and 30 minutes exactly my uh, the, the episode before this one. So I guess I need to drink up. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but your body processes out one ounce of alcohol per hour naturally. And I haven't gone to the restroom. I'm just talking about like fucking sweats it out or whatever, or digested or metabolizes or whatever you want to call it. So one ounce of alcohol per hour, and then I'm on my fourth beer in an hour and a half. That means I'm really on my second and a half beer. All right, keep that. You tell that to the next cop that pulls you over. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Sonia O'Brien Finnegan, who is, I know, from the land down under. One of our favorite Aussies. Uh, we love you. She says, I know the story, but I want to hear Woody explain it. How did you and Cindy meet? I want honesty and true feelings. I want to know how you felt when you saw her. No boy talk bullshit. And she has some funny faces. With Sonya, that I've known her my entire life. And matter of fact, our parents, my parents, my parents, my mom and dad went on their first date back in the 50s at Cindy's great great grandparents. I don't know, shit, whatever. I don't, I get lineages mixed up. But at Cindy's, like, great grandparents, I think's home in Clinton, Louisiana. But I met Cindy in high school, and I thought she was smoking hot. Uh, I mean, she was the finest girl in school, and and nobody will tell you any different. And, but she came from another school. She transferred in and transferred out. Hey, lifers, it's Cindy. And uh, how'd you and Cindy meet? What's your honest truth? I want to know what you felt when I saw her. Uh, no, no, no boy talk bullshit. She was, she was hotter than shit. And, and that's the way it was. She dated my, uh, we were best friends as, uh, 
best friends is a, a, a boy and a girl could be. I used to hang out at her house all the time. You know, her mom and, and stepdad were like my parents and just good people. And, and we I mean, basically were raised together. So, and then we hooked up many, many years later. Peace. Then we got another Aussie, Mel Wallace. I know this because I know you, Mel. Woody Overton, would you please adopt me? I feel like I could live my best life in Louisiana. The food, the hunting, the music, and I promise I'll listen to your stories all day. Well, Mel Wallace, guess what? Would you adopt me? Because my ass wants to come to Australia. <laughs> Y'all, I don't know if you know this. I had a four-concert tour scheduled in two it was over a period of two weeks for this October. Woody Overton, Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast, due to our fabulous Dream Team moderators in Australia. I was going to Australia for two weeks. I was going to do four live shows, and guess what happened? COVID. Oh, it's like Australia. I love the fact that Australia is based off a penal colony, right? Fucking priceless. And they are the number one country in the world for real life, real crime, only behind the United States. And then we're in a whole bunch of countries. Like, I, I didn't even know. At one point, I think we were in 167 countries. The fuck, I didn't even know there were 167 countries in the world. And I think the other day I looked and we were like in 127 or something like that. But Mel Wallace, I'm coming to Australia. I'll cook you some of the food. How about that? And I don't think y'all can hunt shit because I think you have gun restrictions, but I want to come find some gold. Uh, people don't know that, but gold mining is a is a passion of mine. All right. So, scroll down. Um, and they're talking about, uh, I, evidently, <laughs> it's in the speed. My wife got involved in the conversation. They're going back and forth, back and forth. Hey, lifers, it's Cindy. And back and forth. All right, Nancy shows. I love this. This will be an awesome podcast. Thank you, Woody Overton. Sydney Overton. Scrolling down. Uh, Shonda Rayburn Henderson, Denham Springs, Louisiana. Which case from your LP days had the most impact on you? One positive, one negative. I've kind of had this question the same way, I, uh, but this first one that you said one that I've had that said one positive, one negative. Let me have a sip of beer. Man, I don't know. That's, I mean, it's so hard because I have so many cases. That, um, I don't know if we're talking like from a political standpoint. Maybe the negative one would be be some of the people that I would arrest and who I did to the fucking rights who got off uh, for political reasons, which I didn't really care. I mean, I didn't like it, but you know, I wasn't one of these vengeful dudes that sat around uh, and followed up on all my cases after they got adjudicated because I didn't really give a fuck and if I put you in jail I figure enough if I put you in jail and you had to hire a lawyer and you had to bond out and shit and you had the embarrassment of being arrested if the if your buddy is whomever and can get you off you know, through political contacts well fuck I still did my job right so that would be the negative um, positive Shit, I, I mean, positive has to be like, and I'm going to tell these stories in the future, like uh, saving a, a sex traffic kid, um, uh, saving people from basically from murder and stuff like that. But thanks. I appreciate the question, Sean. It was a good one. It made me think. Gabriel Stewart from 
Hudsonville, Michigan, but currently residing in Denham Springs, Louisiana. Imagine you are a death row inmate. Not that that would ever happen. That's what she says. What would you choose as your last meal and why? I'm obsessed with your podcast. Keep doing all the great things you do. We love you, Woody. This is a trippy question, uh, Gabriel. Gabriel. And a lot of people backed up and said, Sybil and Denon Roberts said, ooh, good question. And Sonia from Australia said, that's one of my favorite questions to ask people. I love hearing what people choose. Renee Watkins says, ooh, Gabriel Stewart, great question. Pretty sure he begged for a Rona. And y'all, that's what we started. Uh, every time after COVID came out, anytime I did a live or whatever, I'd say Rona. I'd make everybody drink. This is a really good one. And I'm going to tell you why I've thought about it so much. And I hope I'm saying it right. Gabriel, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-E. Gabriel, uh, I was raised one parish over from Angola where the death house was. They executed everybody in the state of Louisiana. Um, as a young boy, I remember going there and actually sitting in an old Sparky, the electric chair, on a tour. But more importantly... My mother was raised on the the grounds of Angola. And, and back then, there was one little narrow-ass windy road, you know, 40 minutes off a highway that was in the middle of nowhere to get there. And the reason Angola is one of the most secure places in the world is it's 5,000 acres surrounded by the Tunica Hills on one side and the Mississippi River on the other. And, I mean, you just not going to live getting out. But... My mom was raised on the B-Line, and that's where the free people, that's what they call them, uh, free, uh, if you're not an inmate, you're a free person, right? The free people would live because they had their own community because shit, it was fucking so far away. I mean, you think back in in the 50s, how long it would take you to get from Baton Rouge to Angola? It took three or four hours with the vehicles and the roads back then. And my grandfather was the first parole officer to ever work on the grounds of Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola before he would go on to become the district attorney for East and West Louisiana Parish. So I had a lot of history with it and in, in, had a lot of history with it. I was always fascinated and still to this day of what inmates would ask for for their last meal. And check this out. And I don't know if he's still there, but Angola used to have its own chef. An, an inmate, his own chef that would cook up whatever the last meal request was for the inmates. And uh, I talked to the dude. He was a cool dude. and But he had been a chef in New Orleans uh, um, before he got locked up for murder or whatever he was locked up for. And that's what he used to do. And I assume he's still living. So, um, but he he told me about a lot of different inmates in the last meals, et cetera. What would mine be? That's a fucking good question. The I'd love to have a beer, right, before going down and uh, riding the lightning. I would probably go, if I couldn't have like 50 pounds of, of, of fresh boiled crawfish that I boiled myself or like six dozen oysters on the half shell on ice that I, I shuck myself or fried backstrap that I made myself in Louisiana hot sauce. Uh, 
homemade french fries the way that I make them, which is slice them real thin, put them in the peanut oil, and right before they're done, you stab them up with a fork and it makes bubbles in them. It makes holes in the french fries and the grease gets in and pops it up. Uh, so it makes it like you're eating potato chip and a french fry. Um, freshly caught fried fish or, or that I caught myself. Yeah, any of that shit would be priceless, right? And I'm not really a dessert guy. I love like bread. Bread or pasta would be my other thing. I would like, I want like a fresh loaf of French bread and a lot of butter. And, or if I couldn't have any of that seafood stuff, I would do like a pasta, a pasta with some type of, you know, different cheeses and, and, and meat or, or whatever. Uh, dessert, don't really give a shit about that. Maybe a milkshake or something. But great question, right? But you, you know, believe it or not, a lot of what the guy told me was that people would ask for fucking fast food. Can you imagine McDonald's being the last shit you eat on the face of this earth? Or Burger King? I mean, I don't get it. And I used to see a lot of fast food when I was younger, but now. My wife says, if I don't kill it, catch it, or clean it, we don't eat it. And that's true. We do all our own processing. We'll be doing it this weekend from this season. But so the, the quality of food that you put in your body is one thing. Uh, that should have killed you anyway, right? If it had to be fast food, I would go with, I'd absolutely go with some type of pizza or um, Popeye's fried chicken, spicy fried chicken, um, McDonald's french fries. They do have the best french fries. And if it had to be a burger, shit, I don't, nobody has good burgers anymore. So, I think. Hmm. Anyway, great question. Love it, love it, love it. And I think I'm going to end it, y'all. I've got two hours in now. I think I probably can drink and add one more. Let's see. I should have never, uh, I didn't delete the thread, but I, took it off of announcements when y'all asked the questions and so it scrolled way down and there were like a hundred and something questions. So anyway, thank you patron members, lifers. Y'all keep liking us and sharing us. And yes, I am four beers in. And if I can find this damn feed, I'm going to continue the deal. Uh, but, but thank y'all and Justice recording Coco and Miss Barbara at Blunt. And here it is. And then, anyway, Lopa.org, be a hero, be an organ donor, y'all, save a life, go to Lopa.org, uh, you can tell them real life, real crime sent you, doesn't matter if you're from, I'll pick a different country every week, because I have a map in front of me, believe it or not, with a pen in the different places across the world where real life, real crime, we have listeners, so let me pick this one. Can't really read. Somewhere in Saudi Arabia. How about that? It doesn't matter if you're from Saudi Arabia and you want to be an organ donor, you can go to lopa.org and click on the spot from whatever, out of town or wherever you're from, and be a hero. Save a life. Give the gift a sight or life or whatever. And, you know, all the other podcasts or stuff. Instagram, whatever, y'all know it all. And, and I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you.
Peace. a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Template.